Hey everybody, thanks for hanging out with me for just a couple of minutes. Here, our focus is being better and healthier than yesterday. Are you better? Are you healthier than you were yesterday? Here, we don't compare ourselves to him or to her. We compare ourselves to who we were yesterday. Self-improvement has no end. Health has no finish line. There are lifelong journeys where we take it one day at a time, and here we do it together. So let's do this. Before I get into the main content, if you want to get in contact with me, email and Instagram are the best ways to get in contact. Email me at benpagedc at gmail.com and on Instagram, benpagedc. And if you listen to this, go to Instagram, tag me on the episode, and I'll tag you right back and we get to know each other. I love to get to know the community and I would love to get to know you. So let's get on to the main content. Today, I'm really excited about this episode of the of the Wellness Farmer podcast. This is this is someone this this is a guy that I've been following on Instagram. And I've been trying to uh, implement what he's been putting out on Instagram. It's not the easiest, but it does feel great when you actually can do it. Um, I'm bringing on James Fuller. He's a he's a he's a guy that I've been learning quite a bit from, and I'm. What a privilege it is to actually come and talk to these people, these people that teach me so much, actually. And then I get the privilege of, of talking to them and bringing this to, to all you guys, all the listeners. Before we get into this, the main topic here or this conversation with, with James, I'm going to let him introduce himself to, to you, all the listeners, and this kind of this windy road of his of how he got to where he is today. So, so James, go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Hey everyone, my name is James Fuller. I'm a born again Christian. I'd be 50 years old in November. I've been training since the mid 1980s. And back when I started, uh, bodybuilding was it. And uh, there was no, that was it. It was all that you saw. Uh, if you saw anything on TV, you basically saw bodybuilding. Uh, you, all you ever saw for the magazine racks was bodybuilding magazines. I was in eighth grade. I was about 12 years old and I had sciatica and both my parents both uh, had back problems. Mom's six foot, dad's six one. My little sister is six three. She's also uh, wound up having back problems later on. So out of ignorance, I just said, I'm going to start doing this bodybuilding thing so that I can keep going to work. Because back then there was no idea that you could correct anything. If you did bodybuilding, it was either because you were gay or... to do with actual health no one actually believed that lifting weights was good for you except the bodybuilding magazines which makes sense because they were trying to sell you on doing bodybuilding so out of ignorance i wound up getting healthier my sciatica calmed down and eventually went away but i still didn't think it had anything to do with the bodybuilding and i was always active i i had started um splitting wood by hand when i was seven i was mowing lawns when I was seven, shoveling driveways from uh, getting the snow out of the driveways when I was seven. So I'd always been um, quite active. And so I didn't really put together the, the bodybuilding, what I was doing was helping. And I'd always played sports. And, um, but over the years, more, it, it's funny because what I do now intentionally, I did by accident back then. I helped people feel better through lifting. Um, if you got diabetes at this time, adult onset diabetes there was no idea of modifying your diet and exercise might actually get you to the point of not so it was pretty crazy 
it was a pretty crazy just you only did this because you were selfish because you were insecure or you were gay but it really had nothing to do with hey this stuff's actually good for you this can actually do good things for you you know so it's uh over the years after 20 years of bodybuilding i got into competing in powerlifting and weightlifting old-time strong man and regular strong man and uh, that was about when i was 35 when i got into most of that and i've even done some grip sport meets but uh i have realized that there's a lot that the weights can offer that you can be both mobile and strong and that they're actually two sides of the same coin and so now I've, I've used the weights, I've used old-time strongman movements, and I've used movements I've created to help people move better and feel better. You know, I, it's, people aren't looking to be the next champion powerlifter or weightlifter. That they need exercises that actually work. You know, and I think very few people out there really understand how to get people moving better and feeling better, like really addressing what they really need. I've helped people... I've had people like a 52-year-old uh, with um, arthritis of the sacrum, and he's now pain-free. The MRI confirmed that he had arthritis in his sacrum, and he's now, after a few months, pain-free just from getting the scar tissue broken up, getting the right amount of movement in there, balancing out his left and right side, his dominant, not-so-dominant side, and now he's fine. Now he can do things he hasn't been able to do since college, you know, so... That's the kind of things I do now. I try to help others understand the body and how it works. And I think there's been, um, I think we've been kind of messed up by competitive lifting. I think competitive bodybuilding, competitive powerlifting, weightlifting, uh, CrossFit, you know, these are things we really don't need for basic mom and dads that want to feel better, you know, and be able to enjoy their life with their families. You know, I think there's not a lot of, uh, I, I think we are ignoring that most people are either right-handed or left-handed. And I think that's a big focus. I think we need to balance out our left to right. You know, that's where a lot of problems are going to show up. You know, so maybe lunges, teach someone lunges first before I have them worry about squat. Let's make sure they're operating optimally or better at least left to right and then teach them squats, you know. So that's the sort of thing I'm doing. And I mean, just that, just that introduction there, I mean, how it all started when you were a, just as a kid, I mean, these normal movements, but were excellent ways of moving. I mean, chopping wood, shoveling yeah. snow, mowing lawns. I mean, yeah. these are all, these are all things that are just, they're like, I guess we can say natural movements, but health, yeah. they're so incredibly healthy. And that, yeah. to me, one of my favorite things is chopping wood. I love chopping wood. It's gotta be one of the funnest yep. exercises in the world. <laughs> yep. But, but like, like the, the whole, that's what I believe that you're, you're completely right on that and how, how movement and putting weight against the body is so important to who we are as humans and our overall health. And like you, like you said, people with, with metabolic disease, like diabetes, I mean, move and change diet and it goes away and, and all these pains and all these pains too. You had sciatica. How old are you when you had sciatica again? I was, I believe, between 12 and 13. That is crazy. I mean, that's young to have sciatica. And, yeah. and just, by, just by moving, I mean, it eventually, of course, it's not just moving. There is technique to it, but it, those things go away. So movement is so important. I love it. And the way that you help. I think, help, um, uh -huh. to be honest with you, I think 
now that I'm going to be 50 soon and what I'm realizing that they talk about uh, the injuries that come with getting older and so on and so forth, it's, it's a red herring. It's a false flag. It's, it's actual. I don't believe it. I think it's crap. I think what's going on is your cumulative effect of letting one side be dominant and not trying to balance that out for 30, 35 years is catching up with you. I think that's what's going on more than anything else. I would say that 95% of the stuff I'm experiencing or have experienced isn't about age. It's about not attending to things I should have attended to earlier. Oh yeah. Stuff catching up to me. I, 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 I believe that's true. It's, oh, it's all the little things. It's, I call them micro traumas in life. It's just, yeah, the way we sit, the way we move, the way, the way we're more dominant on one side, like you say, it's, it's all those little micro traumas that through time, will catch up to you. Yeah, I, I think you're completely yeah. right. And I, I just look back at at these old indigenous <clears throat> cultures, well, people that are living in these same ways. And I was, was I don't remember the name of it, but it was, the, the group was, it was a group from, from Africa. And the older guys, they were out hunting with the younger guys. And we're talking 60 to 70 years old, no shoes, running out there, hunting with the young guys. I mean, yeah. we can't we can't really tell their age because they don't count years, but they're up there at the same thing. Yeah. So I believe yeah. you're you're completely correct. It's, it's all those little things over time that eventually accumulate and cause lifestyle disease. So but sure. that's that's what makes movement so awesome. That's what we're going to talk about today. Some some of the ways that we can kind of decrease that or not even decrease it, just eliminate it. So we don't have to worry about, oh, I'm a year older and I'm going to have more pains and suffering. No, there's certain movements that you could do that you involve into your life that can just completely eliminate all of that stuff. And yeah. I, I believe the most important part is, is the spine. And that's something that you were sure. just, I was just talking to you on, on the other day and, and you threw, you threw me some, a couple exercises just for the, for the sacroiliac joints and, and the neck. And I started doing those and it, Man, it feels great to put yourself into a position where you're putting weight against your body and you can feel the stretch and at the same time, the muscle contracting. I mean, if, to me, it felt great. I don't know if you could, maybe we could even get into a little bit of that. Um, what are some of the exercises that you, that you recommend for the spine? Because for, to me, the spine is so important. Well, at this point, the way, the way lifestyle seems to be for a lot of us, you know, being like this on our phones and, you know, with our head down and with our, uh, the way we're sitting in a vehicle or sitting at a desk all day. Um, neck bridges, I think are great. I think neck bridges can really help, uh, help, especially at, well, like, with like uh, some people with the thoracic outlet syndrome, you know, uh, it's great. I, I do neck bridges before I do squats to make sure that rib cage is up and the shoulders are back. It helps with that alignment to make sure before I put 300, 400 pounds on my back, why not? Hey, before I go down, go out on the highway with my car, I'm about to make sure it's all tuned up and ready to go. It's kind of the same thing that, you, you know, I, so, you know, I was talking to someone else today, you know, it's, it's like, if you're going to do anything to warm up for squats, to me, neck bridges is the one thing you definitely should do before you do squats to make sure you have that alignment. You know, there's a lot of people, uh, that have gotten rotator cuff injuries from heavy squatting. And I'm like, well, is it the heavy squatting or is it not having good alignment and still squatting anyways? You know, uh, I think that's important. I think the seated bent press is important because it teaches you to 
to balance out the strength and mobility left to right of your thoracic spine, uh, particularly the lateral and rotational abilities of each. And I think uh, sissy squats, like leaning back in a doorway type sissy squat isn't directly a spinal exercise, but it does help open up your feet and it helps open up your hip flexors and your lower abdominals. And that's gonna have a, a big effect on your, your pelvis, which is obviously gonna affect your, uh, your spine as well. So those are the, the three big things that I think can help people with their regular lifestyle. And, and this is what I love about your work is because <clears throat> most people have probably never heard of a sissy squat. Most people have probably never heard of a seated bench press and bent, bent. bent I mean, bent press. Yeah. A seated bent press. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I imagine the majority of people haven't heard of, well, maybe, maybe the, the, what was the first one? I mean, I'm getting neck what was the, the neck, the, the neck bridge. Maybe that's a little bit more common, but not that much. Yeah. So these well, are I had all... someone asked me about uh, the neck bridge saying, well, a lot of wrestlers get away from it later on in their careers. And I, so aren't they kind of dangerous? And I'm like, no, but you've got guys that have spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours doing something. We're never going to spend hundreds of thousands of hours doing neck bridges. So you can't compare why a collegiate wrestler gets away from neck bridges to, to what a neck bridge is. They're doing it for a different reason versus what you're doing it for. You're not going to spend anywhere near as much time doing a neck bridge as a wrestler will. You know what I mean? You can't compare that. And that's the problem with competitive sport. Competitive sport has really had a bad influence on how we train people. And it's, we really got to take a step away from that. You know, if you think about all the great exercises we can give people to do, there's a lot more than a bench press and a squat and a deadlift. There's a lot more than just a clean and jerk or a snatch. There are all kinds of great lifts out there that can help people out. And, you know? and that's what most people know. That's, that's basically, oh, <clears throat> Excuse me. That's what they know. And yeah, like I was, like you were saying, those are, those are basically movements in one plane and it's one, yeah. it's really one muscle group. I mean, you're not, you're not moving, you're not rotating, you're not stretching, you're not doing any of that stuff. You're basically just working one muscle group and in one plane. And, and, and yeah. And if you look at the evolution of sports, such as powerlifting or weightlifting, they used to have a lot more movement and rules have changed and body positions have changed to allow them to lift more weight. It's not about, it's, you know, if you take a sport, if it is a race car better, well, I don't know, does it finish the race sooner? If it does, then yes, it's better. Sports is the same way. You know, the lifting sports, well, are we able to lift more weight snatching this way? Yes, then it's gotta be better. We're not really talking in terms, is it better for you, physio your physiology? you know, it, it helping you with mobility. Like they used to have to do a split snatch because back in the old, old days, when you did a snatch, you had to use the same grip as you did on a cleaning press. You couldn't do this big wide grip. So you basically, your hands were about the width of your shoulders. Well, you're not going to do a squat that way. You're not going to do a snatch, a squat snatch with the bar held like that, that far apart with your hands that far apart. So you're going to do a split. So with that split style, you're going to have a lot more mobility in your hip flexes, your hips overall, your knees, your ankles. You're going to have to. But yeah. the rules changed and allowed them to use a sleeve-to-sleeve grip, which allowed them to start squatting under it, which allowed them to lift more weight. They lost out a bunch of mobility, but they were able to lift more weight. Exactly. And that's, I think that's what we have to, that's what we have to focus on is not just weight, but 
flexibility, correct? I mean, sure. flexibility is is probably one of the major one of the major factors why people are not well. They're they're so tight. And and most weightlifting doesn't even I'm not weightlifting, just exercises alone don't really bring that into account the importance of flexibility. And that's what I, and that's what I'm learning from you is a lot of movements where it's not only weight, but you're, 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 you're flexible. And I've been trying to get into the squats. I'm, I'm not the squat, the splits, front and side splits for over seven months now. And I'm slowly progressing. And I remember we were talking about how you helped someone do it in 15 minutes. Now that is, to me, that is crazy because, <laughs> but it's, I can believe it, but it's crazy because all the work I've been going through just to get there. Um, I would love to hear you, your thoughts on, on that and how, how we can become more flexible and, and for me to learn more, uh, just for me, myself, being a little selfish here about the splits. Cause that's what I'm trying to do personally. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's, it's all the, any way that you want to become more mobile around the joint, more flexible in a certain area, you just let the weight do the work. You don't have to really, uh, you just do your reps. You find an exercise that stretches you in that position and you do reps. And when I say reps, I'm thinking of uh, 10, 12, 15, 20, 25, 30, and just, just do reps. And at, at first, just go down to whatever, as far down as you can. But as the reps happen and the body starts to go, oh, okay, this is what you want to do. You say, well, I'm going to see if I can go a little lower and you'll actually drop a little bit lower whenever you're ready. You don't have to, but don't force it. If you don't force it, you just cause a retraction. Your body kind of, kind of shies away from it, you know, but when it's ready and you push a little bit, you just try to see if it can go down a little further. It will. And sometimes by the end of the first set, someone is almost at a full split already because I, I have them test after each set where they're at to see their progress and because it helps them if i just have them do a bunch of sets it's kind of nebulous they're like okay it it i feel worked but i have no idea if i'm getting close or not so after each set with each leg i have them test and you know because i have them beforehand before we start I go, okay let's see what you can do cold all right fine we'll remember that or we'll take a picture of it or video it or whatever and then all right we'll do a set and we'll do 15 20 reps whatever with each leg oh now look at how far down you can go all right let's do another set 20, 30 reps, whatever they need. And, oh, look how much lower you're almost there. You know, and it's, it's, we just, it happens very quickly. It doesn't take long at all. And it's, of course, it's not, I'm not going to tell you it's permanent. It's not, but it, it's, it's the starting of the journey. You know, uh, if somebody has the time and usually in the first session, we're right down on the floor in the first session within 15 minutes, you know, but it's just, it's not magic. It's just the weights pulling you down and you just do your reps. Uh, the the reason part of the reason also that i want reps is because um i think we look at stretching wrong and i know this may sound arrogant but i i don't think stretching is looked at the right way uh i think we look at stretching like stretching a rubber band point a to point b but if we think about it muscles aren't a strand they're more like a balloon so if you're trying to blow up balloons for your kid's birthday party it gets longer and it gets wider and I think muscles are the same way. I think they need to be stretched three-dimensionally. So you use a stretch movement, which is stretching point A to point B. Then you do a bunch of reps, which fills the muscle up with blood, just like blowing up a balloon with air. So now we're filling that muscle and stretching it out maximally, which is going to break up scar tissue, 
which is going to help you get muscles that are stuck together, unstuck, and get things gliding again. Okay. If you have tight fascial tissue, this is going to help break up that tight fascial tissue by not just stretching point A to point B, but to stretch everything. The fascia goes like a sausage casing around all the muscle tissue. You have nerves and you have blood vessels that pass through the fascia into the muscle. And that, that fascia they found is as strong as structural steel on the cellular level. Think about that, structural steel. So if the fascia is tight, someone I worked with that used to be a top level bodybuilder, uh, they had always thought they had uh, bad uh, genetics for hamstrings because it would take them five or six sets to start getting a pump in their hamstrings. And they had retired long ago. And I didn't know this. And it's funny because people can't tell you everything that's wrong with them because sometimes they assume that's just how they are. But the, after a few months of doing this, of doing different things that I was showing them to do, uh, they, they decided to try some, some leg curls because they hadn't done them in months and months and months. And they were amazed because they were getting a pump on their first set because the, the fascial tissue, scar tissue, whatever had been broken up. And now the muscle was actually a very responsive muscle. All that, that whole entire competitive career, they thought they had crap genetics for hamstrings and kind of find out it was just a mobility issue, just tight fascial tissue, probably some scar tissue. And now they could pump up their hamstrings, no problem. So it's, mm. it's pretty amazing when you understand that stretching a muscle isn't just point A to point B, but to actually be able to fill it up. And that's, and, and that's, and that's why you want does that reps. Make sense or does it sound like crap to you? That no, that, sense? no, that's, that's, that's awesome. I, I, so that's why you want the reps. You want to stretch, but that's why your reps it, so it yeah. actually feels, I'm like, that is so interesting. That is so interesting. Because what's going to stretch more, or I shouldn't say what's going to stretch more. You can stretch cold and that's not wrong, but it's not the same as getting the muscles full and congested with a stretch movement. It's a different effect. Wow. And one, I just want to ask you another question really quick on the, on this whole split thing. So how do you, how do you work the hip flexors? So you want to stretch the hip flexor, but what type of, what type of exercise do you use to, to, to work the hip flexor to pump it up? Oh, you could, if you have a, a dumbbells or you can hook your foot under a kettlebell handle and I do what's called a knee up and I stand on a small platform. My support leg is on a platform and I have the other, the weighted leg hanging. And it's also going to give you, it's cool because it actually will traction your ankle, your knee, your hip and your lower back. And basically with that weight hanging, you can either do it freestanding and really try to balance or I'll hold on to something and I'll just drive the knee up as high as possible. Or if I'm looking for a little bit more hamstring work and the, and the hip flexor will be more passive, more secondary, is I'll do a heel kick. So I'm, I'm doing the same movement but I'm driving the heel up and back towards my glutes, but it's still raising the leg. It's just the intent is different. Uh, that Does is that so interesting. Sense? Yeah. That, yeah. It makes complete sense. And I'm actually, I'm going to try that. I'm going to see if I can get into the splits a little bit quicker now by doing those mo movements. This is actually very exciting <laughs> for me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I, yeah, I would have never, I would, 
Nope. I've, like you said, I always thought stretching was A to B. I never even thought about blowing it up. And I do know a lot about muscle physiology and I know all of this stuff, but it's funny. You don't think about it until you hear it from somebody else. And that's why I love talking to other people. It, it, this is not the first time that some will, I'll know something, but when I get, when I get explained to it in a different way, just kind of, it's like, I understand that now, but you knew it before, but it just, by hearing it in a different way, it just kind of clicks. And that's why I love talking to people. Even Uh if you had a chest workout and you did a bunch of bench pressing and a bunch of flies, and then you went to do the doorway stretch for your pecs, you know how people will do that doorway stretch. It's going to be totally different than doing it cold. Totally different. You'll, You'll be able to stretch more after doing the exercises. Correct. Yeah. And it's, and it's going to, because the muscle is congested, it's just the stretch is going to be, it's going to change. If you understand physics, if you understand center of gravity, if you, it's just different, it's going to be totally different. You know, I, I would dare say that if you stretch cold, you're going to stretch a very narrow band of the muscle directly in line with where that arm is. Right. If you're in the doorway doing that pec stretch. If you're fully congested and worked, you're gonna change. It's not gonna just be in that straight A to B. You're gonna feel that whole entire structure definitely stretched out more because you're changing, I shouldn't say the shape, but the stress, the tension, it's not just directly point A to point B now because you've, you've actually increased the mass, the volume of that muscle, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're now stretching against that whole thing. It's, it's interesting when you think about it. You know? and, and it's not only the muscle tissue, it's also the fascia, you say, too. So you're stretching the fascia yeah. all around. And, and the sure. fascia is incredibly, is incredibly strong, as you are saying before. Yeah. yeah that is, so in- you're going to have to fill the muscle to stretch the fascia all the way around. Right. Oh. And that is because that, that's so important. The more I learn about flexibility, the more the more I'm trying to help people understand and 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 implement exercises that keep them as flexible as possible, not just strong, but flexible as possible. And that is just that's it's a beautiful way to explain it. So I, that's just wonderful. Hmm. You can actually <laughs> become very strong on a lot of mobility movements. Like I do stiff leg deadlifts, uh, straight leg deadlifts, I should say, not stiff leg, straight leg. And I've picked up 450 pounds or so for 455. So basically, what's that? Two, 220 kilos? About 225? 220, 225, somewhere in there, with legs already straight. And I picked it up off the floor. You know? So that, that's all hamstrings then? You're working pure hamstrings? or? Well, they, the, the back is rounded. So the back is getting stretched out and the hamstrings. Other times I'll do it with, I'll do less than that, maybe uh, 175 kilos or 374 with um, 25 pound plates or 10 kilo plates under the front of my feet. Because what that does is that shifts where the stress of the stretch hits. It's gonna hit differently. Like sometimes I'll do good mornings with a neck harness instead of a barbell and because the neck harness moves the weight further away from the fulcrum or my sacrum now where i feel it is more mid back than lower back so more it's more of the thoracic erector spinae rather than the lumbral erector spinae 
And I was, I was, I was doing those good mornings just today. I was, there was, you, you sensing, you sent me some exercises and those were, those felt great too. It's, it's just a it very it difficult. It's they're difficult, yeah. but it feels so, it feels so great to put that your back into that position. I mean, and you, and I remember when I was in chiropractic college, I remember don't bend your back, keep your back straight. When you, when, when, when you go to stretch your hamstrings, like no way. I mean, no, the more you bend, the more you use, the more you bend it, that that's, that's how you strengthen. That's how you, that's, that's what we need to be doing. So I've had to relearn a lot of this stuff through people like you, even though I've, I've gone through an education system where supposedly they, they, they teach you all this. I mean, they did teach you a lot of great stuff and I understand a lot, but there's a lot of things that you have to kind of go out and you have to say, is that, and just question everything. And, and, and I'm learning so much from people by just questioning things. Doesn't matter if it's chiropractic school or me talking to you. I can only teach you what I know. I can't teach you what I don't know or what I should know or what I'm going to know. I can only teach you what I know right now. You know? And I imagine a lot of that's through, through own experience, too. You're just doing it, right? And I think that's... Well, I think- and there, was, there was a big push when I was in, when I first started in the 80s, the magazines were pretty good. All the, the, the people that wrote the articles would tell you to get a Gray's Anatomy and like really study your anatomy, like really try to understand what's going on. And, and uh, that was a big help, you know, um, or uh, that. And like um, they sometimes they would push antagonist supersetting. So taking two antagonistic movements and doing them back to back. And so when you try to figure out what elevates the scapula, well, what depresses the scapula? what you know and you start really understanding that there's a give and take you know uh, you start understanding like if you want to stretch a muscle to its maximum length that really means its antagonist has to shorten or contract to its shortest length like you can only stretch your triceps as much as you can contract your biceps and vice versa and a lot of people don't realize that you know oh yeah it's, it's it's interesting, you know, if you really want to think and like today with biceps, everyone thinks because I was brought up differently. But today now, even the books are saying prime prime mover or the primary function of the bicep is to bend the elbow. And it's not. It's supination has been and always will be. That is the that is the the movement that causes the most the greatest change in muscle shape is supination. You know, you can bend your arm without supinate it and it will change the shape of the bicep but you supinate the hand and you'll see a big change in the shape of the muscle. That is the primary function of the bicep is supination. Yeah, that is true. And what is a good, what's a good way to to work the bicep then besides, I mean, so what, what do you recommend? Um, What I did is I, uh, I've got to, I'll tag you in a video. Um, I took a towel and you can do this with a kettlebell pretty easily. I have old scale weights, which are kind of what kettlebells came from. So I, I put a towel through the handle and I start holding the ends of the towel. I'm standing, I'm holding each end of the towel. Hands are pronated, arms are rotated in because the weight is pulling my hands into pronation and my arms into internal rotation. And then I will pull up. And as I pull up, I start to supinate and bend the arms. And I go through a full range of supination and I, I end at the top in a curl with the weight in between my hands. Ah, so you're, you're curling and supinating at the same time, basically. Yeah. So you, total, yeah. total bicep workout. 
That's beautiful. Yeah. And that's and the it's, thing. And it's getting, it's getting pretty much 360 degrees of rotation of the hand because you're going from basically your thumbs pointing to the ground, basically. Yeah. Up around, maybe not 360, I shouldn't say that, but probably more. 180, yeah. 70, yeah. you know. So I have yet to find anything homemade, cheap, without a machine that does a full range of supination and curl at the same time. No, that's very interesting. That is so cool. And that's why it's so important for all you people that are listening that you need to go like, like I'm talking about his videos and stuff. Like you gotta go, you gotta go follow James. Uh, Cause this is, it's, we, we could talk about it all day, but you, until you <laughs> see it, it's, it's not the same. You have to see it. You have right. to see it. So a lot of these exercises, a lot of these exercises, yeah. A lot of these exercises we're talking about. I mean, make sure you go follow James. We'll talk about this at the very end. He'll, he'll give you a, a, a way to follow him but but you want to go follow him and and watch these exercises because it's funny yeah. i have to watch it like three four sometimes five times before <laughs> i can even before i can even do it i like i have to watch it and like okay am, am i am i doing this right so it's important that you watch it like four or five times because you want to do it correctly because you are going to put be putting your body in positions that it's not used to <laughs> right. well and it's it's too bad because there are some things that should be so easy to do and people um like a barbell hack lift that's a deadlift with the barbell behind you and that is one of the hardest things for me to teach people because they're so ingrained with deadlifting because of the sport of powerlifting that's why deadlifts are so popular deadlifts used to not be popular until the mid 60s when powerlifting came around but once deadlifting became so popular now teaching someone how to hack lift is so hard because they don't, they're trying to do everything they're ingrained to do with the deadlift. And you don't want to do that. You want to do the opposite. You know, uh, I was, I was trying to help someone the other day. They, they saw some big name doing them seated. And so they're now trying to do them seated. And it's like, that's really not how you want to do a hack lift. It's really, when you're doing a hack lift, I'm already leaning forward. I'm, my pressure is more midfoot, And then as I stand, I'm moving more to the front of the feet, even though I use what two, what's 285, uh, 70, 285, 290. I think I'm close to like 290 kilos or about 635 on a hack lift. 635 pounds? Top, yeah, 635. And when I'm at the top, my heels, you could slide a piece of paper under my heels because they're not touching the ground because you have to move forward to get out of the way of the bar because the if you try to dead, like you see people, they try to do it and they get caught. The bar gets caught on their hamstrings because they're trying to pull like a deadlift. They're trying to pull back. You can't. You have to pull and move forward to get out of the way of the bar. You have to make room for your center of gravity and the bar center of gravity. Yeah. And that's and that's what I'm learning with a lot of these movements is, is, gra is your center of gravity. I'm learning the, 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 the bent, the, the city bent, bent press. I mean, it's a lot has to do with yeah. gravity. A lot of it has to do with gravity and, and the position you're yeah. putting your body. But like I said, I, I continue to say it, it feels great. So, yeah. <laughs> so I recommend, well, uh -huh. I, I just think it's, it's when you do something good for your body, it should feel better right away. I, I don't, you may not fix what's wrong with you for a while, but after two two training sessions with someone with a new exercise, they can tell they're on their way. They, they can tell they're like, okay, this feels like what I need. And if it doesn't, we stop and we look for something else. 
I'm not going to waste their time. Awesome. Awesome. Well, this is, I mean, like I said, I could probably ask you so many more questions, but we'll, we'll come to a close now. Um, but James, I want, it's so important that, that my listeners go and see you do this because we could talk about it all day. But like I was saying before, if you don't see it, it's, you just can't get it. So where, where can my yeah. followers uh, see you do all these movements? Uh, Instagram is probably the easiest. Um, so strongman underscore archaeology. And uh, I've had, I've got thousands of, of clips up there. That's probably the easiest way to see what I do. Yep. Um, that's next exact. I, mm-hmm. I, I pretty, how do I put this? I, I spend a lot of time on each post. I try to explain things clearly and why it's important. So I, uh, yeah, I put a lot of time into each one. And so it's, it's amazing because I'll look back and it's only a couple paragraphs. It might've taken me half an hour to hammer out how to say that couple of paragraphs. Oh, I know what but you're I'm talking trying about. To be, I'm trying to be clear and I don't like using big words. I really, and I stay away from people that use big words when they start using the complicated words. Number one, I think they're trying to get their money's worth out of their, out of their education. Like trying to get their, you know, oh, like get my money's worth out of this degree because I'm using all these big words to make sure that I get my money back or my money's worth out of it. When I, the more syllables I use when I'm talking to you, I feel like I'm creating more distance. And that's the last thing I want. I want you, I want you when I'm working with you, I want you to go. So that's all there is to it. It's just this and this. Yes. Oh, well, I can do that. Yes, you can. And that's what I want them to think. I, I don't want to make people think like, well, it's a good thing you come to me because there's no way you could have figured this out on your own. That's crap. I want, because when I help someone understand that this is really basically simple it's just you haven't studied it like i have but i can explain it to you because really what i do is not a good expression of how good it is it's how good the people i teach do it that tells you how good it is if i can get people to understand it the way i do that's a better example of of how good the knowledge is if i'm not a good teacher they're not going to understand it very well So I want whoever I work with, I want them to be part of the process because if I'm working with someone at first, they have to do what I tell them because they don't know anything. But from workout one, rep one, they should be like taking in the information and seeing what it does or doesn't do for them. And over time, it's going to switch from student teacher to me being the student and they're telling me what they're feeling. I can only see what, 20%? I don't know. I I can tell when someone's hip is hurting or their ankles are hurting. But that person that I'm working with, they have, they have 100% ability to feel what's going on once they learn how to feel that. Oh, yeah. but, I, I so love it. I have, to, I have to make them understand that they, they are going to know more about them than I ever will. And I'm just trying to help them on the journey. I'm more of a guide. At first, I got to tell you where to go. But as you understand the journey for yourself better, I, only you can understand your journey. I'm just there to kind of guide you along and get you started. Oh yeah. That's, that's, that's exactly how I talk with my patients too. I mean, I tell them like, Hey, I'm, I'm just here. And a lot, what, I mean, what am I doing? Very little. It's you're doing it almost, you're doing everything. I mean, you're the body, your, your body's recuperating, your body's doing, I mean, I'm just kind of there to just kind of facilitate what your body knows what it needs to do. So it's beautifully said. And I love how we need to try and simplify everything. Yep. The world has yeah. become so complex. Everyone's trying to make everything so difficult and complex, but yeah. health 
health is truly simple. And yeah, and like you were saying, yeah. if we just come back and and learn these basic movements, and then our body will tell us what needs to be done. Oh yeah, I mean. I think also with this sort of thing that whatever body work you're having done, whether it's uh, massage therapy, whether it's chiropractic, uh, whether it's acupuncture, whatever is being done, if, if, if we can, if I, whatever I can do with people to help them balance things out, that gives the other person, you can start fine tuning. Like if, if I'm sending someone to you, I've been working with, and you're used to doing major adjustments on their hip and we get to a point of corrective work that they don't need major adjustments anymore, you can now, you have the time to fine tune what you do with them because there's not as much trauma to deal with, right? So it it allows you to be, to, to have more fine detail approach to that one person. Does that make sense? No, that's beautiful. And I love how you say that. And, and, and the more that I, work with people and movements and range of motion yeah the the better they feel and and to tell you the truth the less they the, like you were just saying the less manipulation of the spine they truly need because their body maintains that natural beautiful posture that is just so natural to who we are but we let daily activities and these micro traumas screw that all up oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Oh, so i think they can get more out of their treatment by going in, it's like, again, it's, it's, I think cars are a great example, but the better I take care of my car, the less it's gonna be for the mechanic to fix. If I take care of things, if I'm not so aggressive, if I make sure to not do things that are very stressful to the vehicle, you know? Oh yeah. And um, the, the reason I like using car also is because it's a mechanical device. We are too. We're just alive. We're biomechanical. I mean, yeah. we're just like, <laughs> so in, in, in the, there's not much change to it. We're biomechanical and maybe our joints yeah. are a lot more fine and a lot and a lot, but it's, it's not that much different. So yeah, if we treat our car yeah. well, uh, yeah, I, I completely. Don't, don't let anyone, anyone listening to this, don't let anyone tell you it's that hard. It's not, it really isn't. It's, your body adapts to everything you do. So if you do something it's not good, that's not good for your body, your body adapts to that. If you do something good for your body, your body adapts to that. It's really that simple. You can't, don't, don't let anyone tell you it's big, bad, scary, complicated. It, it may be overwhelming at first, but if you have someone that really wants you to be healthy, they'll make it doable for you. Beautiful. Oh yeah. And I, that it's, yeah, it's so important that how yeah, we adapt to our environment. Yep. Good or bad. We adapt to it. And if we adapt to a bad environment, we'll eventually get sick because our body will, won't be able to live like that forever. So that's what we want to try to adapt to a healthy environment so we can actually live a thrive in a, in a beautiful life. But yeah, that's what it is. We're adapting to our environment, healthy or not healthy. It's yeah. And that's Think about it. It's I I'm always amazed at alcoholics will get to a point that their body needs alcohol because they've adapted to it to such a point. They now need it to survive. And it's a sad situation, but it's an amazing um, adaptation. You know, it's the body saying, well, I guess there's no water around, only alcohol. So I'm going to adapt to that, you know, or when people talk about rib cage expansion, because a lot of the old timers did rib cage expansion, working on stretching the cartilage in the front of the rib cage. And people will talk about whether or not that's possible. I'm like, have you not seen him emphysmatic? Because if you look at people with emphysema, they tend to have a big barrel chest 
because the body has adapted to that lack of oxygen and opened up that rib cage so they can expand the lungs more trying to get a deeper breath you know oh yeah so it's it's pretty amazing when you think about it you know it really is amazing yeah the, the the body is is truly amazing it's it's a miracle that we'll never completely understand and me working in the medical field i tell my patients that it's i mean the more i learn the less i know about what truly this marvelous body that we have every every question i get answered brings up four more questions that i'll i'll never i i've gone through different platforms or different plateaus and and i think okay there's really nothing that's going to come along it's going to shock me and of course, something comes along and I'm like, I had no idea that existed. And, and it's this whole new world of learning about movement in the body and so on. And I realized that I'm never going to live long enough to understand everything. And it's, it's just amazing because I remember how much I feel bad because back when I started, you just had the magazines and the magazines were a lot of crap, but you had to wait a month for the next magazine. So when the magazine came in, you read the articles you wanted to by whoever the bodybuilder was that you really idolized. But then after two or three days of reading all the articles you want, you got nothing else to read. So you get a month. So you start reading all the articles you never would read. So I started reading nutrition articles because I'm just desperate for something new. So I started reading sports medicine articles because I'm desperate for anything new. So after years and years and years, I wound up reading more articles that I never would have read than the stuff I wanted to. Whereas today, nobody says, okay, I'm going to sit down and and for the next week, I'm only watching YouTube videos I don't like on topics I don't like. Nobody does that, you know? So it's so easy. So in a way, we were forced into a good situation to read. I literally read way more stuff I couldn't have cared less about but I did it out of desperation, you know? Yeah. And now, so, yeah, nowadays, yeah. I mean, we have everything in the palm of our hands for sure. So I yeah. think, I think in a way we're worse off because now we can choose to only watch the stuff we already agree with that we already like, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, you know. I, and that's something that I'm learning is I'm learning so much new stuff by, by kind of, like diving into stuff that I would, I would have never thought. I would have never thought this before. I would have never thought the importance, the importance of flexibility with strength. It, 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 these things weren't taught. So you have to jump into these things and yeah. And then one that, that brings new questions and, and then you go find new yep. ways to learn. And, and yeah, it's, yep. it's, it's a beautiful process. And James, I, I appreciate yep. you coming on because it was Thank just a you. beautiful conversation. And again, um, they can find you at, <clears throat> yeah, you want to give me your archaeology on Instagram. Yep. Perfect. All right. Well, awesome. Well, again, thanks for coming on James and we'll have to get back. To, we'll have to get you on again. Cause this is, this is yes, good. This is good you. stuff. <laughs> thank you.